Cloudcast Media. Welcome to Your Next Mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilley. Proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Good day out there, veterans and families, and welcome to Your Next Mission, a program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, and your host. And we have a, a great show today. I don't know if great is the right word. We have an unbelievable show today. We're blessed to have with us the chaplain of the United States Senate on with us today to share his insights, his wisdom, and experiences. Now, before we get started, I want to thank our presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for making your next mission happen. They love our veterans and families, and we certainly love them too. Now I'm excited to introduce Rear Admiral Retired Barry Black, U.S. Navy, the chaplain of the United States Senate. Sir, welcome on the podcast. So good to have you on. Thank you, Jack. It's my privilege to be with you. Well, thank you so much. You know, sir, I know the audience is eager to hear all about your uh, 18 years, I believe it is, as a chaplain of the U.S. Senate. But before we do that, can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe your your time in the Navy, your, your about your family? I know you grew up in Baltimore, which I understand uh, certainly growing up. As, uh, as, uh, did you have eight children, eight uh, brothers and sisters? Is that what it was? I had seven siblings. My, my parents had eight children. I grew up in... Freddie Gray's neighborhood, if you know the neighborhood of the young man who was uh, uh, killed uh, while in police custody. Yes, sir. And um, I grew up in that neighborhood. So I grew up in what might be characterized as toxic pathology. Oh, my goodness. But my mother inoculated uh, my siblings and me by providing us with a monetary incentive for memorizing scripture. She gave us five cents for every verse of scripture that we memorized. And not only that, but she also ensured that we matriculated in Christian schools. So from grade one all the way through college and even graduate school, my siblings and I matriculated at Christian schools. So we were literally programmed to be people who, to use a, a, a fancy, a couple of fancy words, to be ethically congruent, which is a fancy way of saying to ensure that we walk the talk, that our, uh, that our words were backed up by action. And my mother, who only had a fourth grade education, she was the daughter of a South Carolina sharecropper. She knew the scriptures probably better than almost anyone uh, I ever knew. So she modeled uh, what she wanted us to have. And I think it was this exposure to what I consider to be a supernatural force, the supernatural power of sacred scripture that is the primary reason why I'm the chaplain of the United States Senate today. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, do, do, you, uh, do you still stay? I'm sure you stay in close contact with all your, your other siblings, too. I do. I do. And they still quote scripture. Do they? Do they really? That's that's pretty good. Do do uh, they all live around the same area in Baltimore? I mean, do you all live in the same area? Well, we we actually were a, a tad bit nomadic in that um, we went to high school in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, a boarding academy, a Christian boarding academy. We went to college in Huntsville, Alabama an HBCU, uh, Historical Black College. Uh, we met our spouses there. Uh, and this was, a, again, a religious uh, college. And so uh, we scattered all over. My, I had five sisters and uh, two brothers. And of course, the sisters followed their spouses. And of course, I was in the Navy and Marine Corps. So I followed uh, Uncle Sam. And so we're, we're all over the place, but I do have a sister who is in Alexandria, Virginia, about to move to Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And uh, I still have a brother who is living in Baltimore, but most of us have scattered all over the place. There you go. I've got to ask you, there's a bunch of questions I want to ask you, but I asked you this one question real quick. How did you go get into the Navy? I mean, what pushed you into, not pushed you, but... How did you get into the Navy or serve for the Navy? Anyway. Well, it actually was pushed me. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to work with young people. I was a young minister in my mid-20s. And I said, I really would like to work with young people. But I was pastoring eight churches at one time. And oh my it was basically a, 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 it was a district of senior citizens. I mean, I had people in my church, in my churches who were over a hundred, you know, and, and here I was desiring to work with young people and there weren't very many young people. I was told by my denominational leaders, I was too young to work with young people. You gotta be at least in your forties, which I thought was senior citizen. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so I began to look at options of how to work with young people. I looked at prison ministry. I looked at hospital ministry. I looked at academic chaplaincy and I looked at military chaplaincies. And uh, I fell in love with ministry in the, in the Navy and Marine Corps. So that's how I ended up being pushed by denominational leaders who weren't sufficiently visionary. I was pushed into military ministry. Sir, I Thank God for <laughs> so I don't, I don't think anybody pushed you. I think you wanted to do it. It's just a, another reason why. So God bless you for serving, that's for sure. I'm sure being a chaplain of the Senate brings with it a, a lot of responsibilities. And you've said, you've thought it was pretty clear that our framers intended to they have their spiritual dimensions of government. Uh, can you elaborate on, uh, uh, on that in discussion of uh, your responsibilities? Also, uh, can you tell us about your 27 years of service in the Navy ending up with you being the chief of the chaplains and how that prepared you for the role? Well, uh, let me do the second one first. Uh, the, the military chaplaincy is ideal preparation for chaplaincy in the legislative uh, branches of government. It is no accident that currently the 
chaplain of the House of Representatives, Margaret Kibbins, has a similar background as I have and is a retired chief of chaplains, a retired chaplain of the Marine Corps, and, you know, two-star admiral. And she, as I, I have had the same experience, uh, served in the, in, the, in the Navy for many years. A chaplain provides spiritual support and guidance uh, to people who do not have ordinary access to houses of worship. Uh, even as military chaplains are underway on ships or, uh, uh, or stationed overseas, so people in the legislative branch of government come from the different states. And they're all here without their uh, personal physician to take care of their health. So we have an attending physician in the, in the, uh, in the Capitol and without their spiritual physician, the pastor, the chaplain, the minister, the priest, the rabbi, the imam, uh, to take care of, of, of uh, their spiritual needs. And so the chaplain is there to provide that spiritual guidance, that spiritual support to the, in my case, 100 senators, the members of their staffs, and the approximately 7,000 other people who make up the Senate side of Capitol Hill. But having served in the military for 27 years, that was ideal preparation. And the reason why it's ideal preparation is because the chaplaincy has in any branch or in any uh, endeavor, whether it's hospital chaplaincy, you have academic chaplaincies, football teams and basketball teams have chaplains, prison chaplains. So they're chaplains all over the place. And there are four distinctive pillars to uh, chaplaincy. The first is to provide for, uh, for everybody, okay? So you provide for, uh, you first of all provide for the people who identify with your religious tradition. I'm a Christian, so I provide for Christians. So uh, when it's time for Good Friday services, Ash Wednesday services, Easter services, Christmas services, Monday, Thursday services, whatever it may be, I'm there to provide for Christians across the spectrum of denominations. Well, I did the same thing in the Navy and the Marine Corps. So provide is the first thing. Providing is you're providing for those who identify with your faith group. The second pillar is to facilitate. And that means to care for the spiritual needs and guidance uh, of those who don't identify with your faith tradition. So we have Buddhists, we have Hindus, we have uh, Muslims, we have Jews. So I ensure that uh, Jewish Holy Days, there's a rabbi who does Torah studies, who helps them with uh, uh, Yom Kippur, uh, Purim, or one of the Jewish Holy Days. Uh, I make sure that there's an imam available, just as I did when I was in the military, for Ramadan, for those who are from the Islamic tradition. I, I, invite in, I, I invited in, I got a picture of him on the wall, the Dalai Lama, okay? That's like the Pope of Buddhism. Absolutely. I invited him in as a guest chaplain, Hindu priest as guest chaplain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you facilitate across the spectrum for those who don't identify. 
All chaplaincies do that. Then you care for everybody. So it means regardless of whether you're Christian or non-Christian, if you're in the hospital, I'm there. If you need someone to give you premarital counseling, I'm available. If you need someone to officiate at a funeral or a memorial service, I am there. If you need someone for patriotic observances, I am there. I care for everyone. If you have interpersonal relationship challenges, I am there. If you need someone to be an advocate for you for at the top tier levels of leadership and management, I am there to be your voice. If you need someone to pray for you, I am there for that. So you care for all. And then finally, provide, facilitate, care for all. Finally, you advise. So I have an advisory function to the majority leader, the now Republican leader, uh, to the senators. When we have a roll call vote, I am there. Uh, a senator, we had a roll call vote last night. I talked to about 25 senators. Uh, we had a roll call vote this morning. I was there, again, talking to senators, attempting to bear the image of God wherever I go. So if a, a senator, as one senator uh, had uh, many years ago on the Terry Schiavo case, and the majority leader at the time, Dr. Bill Fritz, came and asked me questions about, Chaplain, what about this was the lady, they didn't know whether to uh, remove her from life support or not. He wanted my guidance and my advice on that. Well, I have a doctorate in theology. I should be able to give him a little bit of, yes, of, of advice on that. Um, when uh, Senator John Warner, the late Senator John Warner was chairman of the Armed Services Committee, and they were looking at legislation about how chaplains pray and, and what should be the parameters. He came to me and I was able to help navigate through that kind of thing. Uh, uh, you know, that issue. So there are numerous issues, but most importantly, almost everything that lawmakers vote on has the ethical dimension of which is the better choice. Most of what they're dealing with is right versus right conundrums. And so I'm able to talk to them about ethical decision-making. How do you make a decision and decide when you're dealing with right versus right, the individual versus the community, right versus right, long-term versus short-term, right versus right, justice versus mercy, right versus right, and on and on it goes. I am there to do that. So those four pillars are critical. Provide, facilitate, care for all, and advise. And that is a common thread in all chaplaincies. Yeah, Margaret, you know, you know I, um, I, I, you know, I was an army, I'm an army, uh, army guy here, and uh, you know, I went to Vietnam, and I think I told you before, I went 16 trips in and out of Afghanistan and Iraq and stuff. But for me, uh, I, uh, I was overran once, 20 wounded and seven killed. But it seems to me when I went to war, I, I've, I've said it a bunch of times, uh, God, if you just get me out of here, I'll, I'll never do it again. And and I prayed a lot in my life. And so what you do is so important, uh, you know, of course, for, for your job that you're doing now, but really for for our country. Can, can I, what's the, uh, this is not one of the things I was going to ask you, but you made me think about when you were just talking, what's the hardest thing that you have to do? I mean, what's the, the one thing that sort of keeps you up at night uh, at your current job? 
Well, probably the most difficult thing that I have to do is to walk the talk, yeah. as I said. Um, someone said, um, power corrupt, corrupts absolute power. I think Lloyd, Lloyd Acton, power corrupts absolute power, corrupts absolutely. You know from your own personal experience that the more rank you you are given, the better looking you become. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard it said that way, but no, I know exactly what you mean. I, I told my wife, I get better looking with each person, okay? And people who would not speak to you or yeah. would not make certain overtures towards you suddenly are very, very interested yeah. in you simply because of the uniform yeah. and simply because of the power that you have. So to live right, it's not easy when people are making offers on silver platters that no one has ever made before. So it, it's like the story of Daniel in Daniel um, chapter six, his enemies spied on him because they wanted to have him thrown in the lion's den. And they concluded in Daniel chapter six, verse five, they said, we can find nothing against this Daniel except it be concerning the law of his God. That's how ethically congruent, that's how much this guy is walking the talk. It's not an easy thing to do. As you know, I'm yes. preaching to the converted here. And so that's that's my challenge. You know, the old saw, fake it until you make it, doesn't work that way. You can't fake it. Um, and you cannot fool all of the people all of the time. <laughs> I mean, you may think you can, but history has demonstrated it catches up with you. There's a Bible verse in the book of Numbers that says, be sure your sins will find you out. Yeah. So that's the most difficult thing that I yeah. have to do. It, it, you know, I, the best advice I think I got when I got to be the Sergeant Major Army, uh, a guy, a friend of mine, John Stevens, called me. He says, can, can I give you a couple of things to think about? I said, yeah, absolutely, sir. He says, well, don't change who you are. The things that you did to get there is the things that people want. They don't want you to change and let your head grow bigger or something like that and think you got all the right answers. And he says, the second thing I'll tell you, he says, 50% uh, of the people like you and 50% of the people don't like you. He said, my advice to you is, is make a decision that's best for the Army uh, at the time. He says, no matter what it is, it's not about you. It's about the Army. And, and I would think it's the same thing. It's not about you. It's about our country, uh, really, when you're making decisions. So I... Uh, God, but I know how hard that is, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Where, where, uh, where do you get the inspiration that comes from uh, your your daily invocations? I mean, where does that inspiration come to you from? Well, I write my prayers um, out of the overflow of my devotional life. Um, I I pray the scriptures, and, and by praying the scriptures, I mean reading slowly through Bible passages and talking to God about what. I'm reading, I, I do that an hour a day. I call it my holy hour. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually, uh, I, I, I have the, you know, the apple buds and I <laughs> jog and I listen to scripture as yeah. I'm jogging. Yeah. And so I, I have an hour workout and I'm listening and praying the scriptures. And by the time I get back from my workout, I sit down and I begin to scribble uh, very rapidly the the passages and the verses and the phrases that uh, made the most 
impact on me spiritually. And my prayers come out of that. My prayers also come out of my um, repeated interaction with senators and others whom I serve. Uh, and I am, in a sense, uh, an intercessor for them. I take their concerns to God. And so that is often reflected in the prayers that I pray. So it is exposure to the supernatural power of sacred scripture and interaction with the people uh, uh, whom you're serving. Those are the two things that uh, really uh, uh, help me to put my prayers together. You, you know, as you again, as you're talking, I'm thinking of so much things that I did in the military. I used to, I used to, I still do a lot of public speaking, but every time I get up on a stage and I'm going to talk to somebody, before I ever do that, I always walk around the audience and I talk to different people and and it gets thoughts and ideas. And I would assume that uh, when you're talking about centers, you do the same thing. You walk around, see how people are doing, and you're sort of getting a, a pulse of what's going on and how they're feeling about things. So when you do uh, you know, give that uh, prayer, it's, uh, it's something that you know it's going to impact them. Uh, no. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly that's, that's what good leaders do, I think, anyway. It's not just my prayer. It's their prayer. It's their, absolutely. And I am speaking for them. Yes. And I am representing their desires and their aspirations and their requests in my praying. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. We're talking with uh, Rear Admiral Retired Barry Black, chaplain of the U.S. Senate, and you're listening to Your Next Mission podcast. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This Your Next Mission podcast is made possible by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community, serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative, and world-class education at purdueglobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at veteransunited.com. Welcome back. I'm the 12th Sergeant Major in the Army, Jack L. Tilly, and we're blessed to be here today with the Chaplain Barry Black, Chaplain of the U.S. Senate, uh, United States Senate. I want to make sure I don't mess that one up. And I want all of our listeners to reach out to me directly. Tell us about your transition out of the military. Tell us what topics you would like us to cover on the podcast. And you can call or text me at 844-424-1134 and and I'll actually reach out to you and, and text you back or call you back one or the other. Or you can send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. And I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Tell me how I can help you. Okay, let's pick it up where we left off. Sir, we want to continue this discussion. Our veterans and families struggle with various culture issues as uh, they serve and, and as they prepare for transitions such as mental health or, or problems with alcohol issues, uh, really fear of the unknown, anxiety, uh, staying grounded, uh, being absent. I mean, all the separation from your family members through uh, deployments, accountability, and, and so many others. Can we, can we talk about some of those issues and what advice you would share with the audience who, who might be struggling with the, some of those issues? 
Well, my advice would be to go to uh, your computer and Google um, what does the Bible say about, and then place your issue there. Um, the, the, the 119th Psalm, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So for instance, uh, with regard to uh, the issue of alcohol, uh, Proverbs uh, 23, uh, chapter 23 says, wine is a marker, strong drink is raging, whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And then basically says, avoid drunkenness. Um, regarding fear, 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, for perfect love will cast out fear. And Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep him or her in perfect peace who keeps his or her mind on God. Okay, So that's one of the ways the Bible teaches us to deal with fear. With regard to um, uh, anxiety, uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, 6 and 7, have no anxiety about anything, but pray about everything with thanksgiving, so grateful prayer. And then verse 7 of Philippians 4 says, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind. Okay, so, you know, peace that passes understanding, you're basically saying your, your friends who do not understand your spiritual connection are saying, you know, I don't understand how you can be so calm in a situation like this. Well, that is because you have talked to God about, um, about everything. In, in staying grounded, uh, Proverbs 18, 12 says, before honor comes humility. And the advice that you received when you were elevated Sergeant Major, just be yourself, don't get the big head. Don't let your ego become so attached to your title that if the title is removed, you don't have a life. Yeah. Okay. You need that kind of humility uh, in terms of being absent uh, from family members during deployment, which, uh, my God, I spent a lot of time away from home, as did you. Well, uh, Hebrews 13, 5 says of God, I will never leave you, God says, I will never forsake you. So to know that you will always have divine companionship, that brings solace to me. So the Bible is, you know, you just Google. What does the Bible say about staying grounded? What does the Bible say about accountability? What does the Bible say about alcoholism? What does the Bible say about mental health? And you'll get all kinds of websites that will give you more material than you can possibly process. And uh, that's the wonderful thing. If you got a smartphone, you know, you, you've got a university in your pocket. <laughs> and, and it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's amazing to be living in, in a time like this. You know, I was drafted during Vietnam. So I'm, I identify with what you were talking about, Vietnam. And, you know, we didn't have anything like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, through, through the years, we don't, you know, cell phones, are you serious? You know, so we are we are really blessed to be living at a time like this, and we ought to take advantage of it because anything we want, we need 
more knowledge about all we got to do do is Google it, yeah. and we can get that information. Sir, when, when did you go in uh, go into the service? What year did you go in service? Well, I was drafted in nineteen <laughs> in nineteen sixty eight. Oh wow! Okay, but I was given a divinity school deferment, so I went into uh, I went to seminary for three years, and then I pastored. 11 churches before I finally bolted into the Navy. And I, I, I came into the Navy on July 4th. So I never forget the date, uh, 1976. So pretty special. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, I, I, just to let you know, I, I went into 66, got out in 69, uh, went back into 71 and, and got out in 2004. And, uh, Wow. Uh, that that was a lot of a lot of time for me. That's for sure. A long time. It's a long I got time. out in two thousand and three. So oh yeah. did did you, did you ever go to Vietnam or did you ever go uh, or did did you did any over? I, I'm sure you did overseas no, tours. I did not. I did a lot of overseas stuff. Uh, I was stationed on Okinawa. I was stationed on Iwakuni in Japan. Of course, as a flag officer, I've been to Afghanistan. Sure. And, Iraq and Bahrain and Saudi Arabia and all over the place. Uh, CNO, when I was the chief of chaplains, was Vern Clark. And he traveled with the MCPON, the senior enlisted guy, and the chaplain almost everywhere he went. Mm -hmm. So I got a, a lot of miles in the air. <laughs> I had 800,000 miles when I finished. Uh, as a Sergeant Major Army, uh, I threw out 800,000 yeah. miles. I traveled 800,000 miles. Did you ever know General Anthony Zini? I did, yeah. yeah he, was yeah. My, uh, he was my commander at, yeah. uh, at uh, United States Central Command, and he was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't talked to him for a couple of years, and uh, but I'm looking, uh, you know, really looking forward to trying to talk to him again. He was a, he, he really had a photographic memory. He was just a smart guy and very, just like you was talking, very level headed. Was uh, knew exactly what he's going to do and and uh, just a great guy, just a, a wonderful leader, a wonderful commander. Uh, I always I told him, you know, I was a sergeant. Uh, well, I went to sergeant major in the army then, but uh, when he selected me, I was at space and missile defense, and I said, sir, can I ask you a question? He said, why is that? He said, I asked him, I said, why'd you select me to be the CENTCOM Sergeant Major? He said, because of all the deployments and all the stuff that you did. So just like you, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt and, you know, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, I love the Army. I love the military and I love everything that uh, we do and you do uh, for our country. Sir, is there a, is, you know, I wasn't going to ask this, but I'm going to ask this now. Is there a website people can follow you and listen to you? Uh, maybe you give prayers on Sunday or anything like that? Because I well, think, yeah. If, if you YouTube uh, Barry Black, Dr. Barry Black, Rear Admiral Barry Black, you'll get more stuff than you can use. So <laughs> easy way to uh, Bible studies, sermons, all kinds of stuff, seminars. Yes, sir. So there's plenty, plenty in cyberspace if you want to to see me in action. So we've already did that too, just to let you know. We Googled you and got all the stuff and looked yeah. at a lot of stuff that you have. But I thought maybe on Sundays, I'm not sure what you know what you're doing, but but I know you put a lot of great information out there. And there's a lot of uh veterans and family members or that are listening now. And it's so important that uh, you know the things that you talk about, the things that uh, we talk about as, as veterans, uh, that we help each other. 
And that's what you're doing today. You're you're helping a group of people that uh, that struggle a little bit sometimes. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the people we had on just a, a little while ago was talking about uh, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And we talk about that, uh, you know, too much. Well, we got to do all we can I, to help them. When I left the military, um, I had a disability uh, because the admiral's cabin is under the flight deck. So in wartime, when you're doing 24-7 flights out bombing raids and stuff like that, I don't care what you have in terms of ear protection. Yes, sir. You're not going to have a whole lot of hearing. And yet, when I tried to have that acknowledged, um, I didn't get a whole lot of help. (laughs) And I was thinking if an 08 is having this kind of a difficulty. What about the E4, the E5, the E6? And, uh, you know, so I can understand why many veterans are exasperated when they do not receive what they should receive for all of the sacrifices that they made. I finally got the veterans of foreign wars involved and they squared things away and, and I got the percentage of disability that I should have gotten without all of the haggle and and the fuss. Uh, so yeah, our vets are many times treated like stepchildren. Yes, sir. And uh, hopefully it's getting better. But I know from personal experience that it can be tough. Yeah, you know when I got out of the service, I got uh, you know I got my disability claim and I got eight zeros. And uh, I didn't get anything. I got zero. And I stayed 36 years. I was like, God, something's mm-hmm. got to be wrong. But but I said, well, you know, I don't need the money. I don't need anything. I don't need disability. So I just let it go. About four years later, five years later, I said, you know, that's this is not right. So I went back and said, hey, look, you know, I'm going to apply for disability. And they, and they gave me a, a 10% for post-traumatic stress. And I said, you got to be kidding me. You know, so I appealed the process. Anyway, I finally got what the, I thought was entitled me, but it's it's a uh, it's a tough it's a tough situation for a lot of people. But yeah. but you got to be uh, you got to be persistent in taking care of yourself and your family, sir. You know, there's yeah. probably just uh, coming up. We're unfortunately coming up and probably the end of the show. And I just again, I can't thank you enough. And when we first got on, before we even got onto the show, I asked you if you wouldn't mind just saying a prayer for our veterans. Yeah. Be happy to. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to spend time together and to have a little promenade down memory lane. I thank you for Sergeant Major and for his journey and for his service. I thank you for the opportunity to serve you and country uh, in the military and now on Capitol Hill. Lord, I thank you for the many, many military veterans and the sacrifices they were willing to make for you and country and the sacrifices their families have been willing to make. I pray, mighty God, that you would compensate them for their sacrificial service. In your holy word, you have said, greater love hath no one than this, that he or she lays down his or her life for others. And that is what these military people have done. They have given their lives as has, 
their family members in service for you as have their family members. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lift the light of your countenance upon them and give them your peace in your mighty and sovereign name, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen, sir. Oh, boy. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. <laughs> Thanks to Chaplain uh, Black. I'm Jack Altilly, 12th Sergeant Major Army, and you've been listening to your next mission. Thank you for listening today. Please visit our website at yournextmission.org and leave me a review. You can also visit our uh, partners there who can provide you with so many services that will assist you in your transition from the military. Also, please visit our corporate partners and, and see all the jobs that are available. Please know that uh, we want to assist you, uh, just like the chaplain says. We want to assist you in, in any way that we can. Please follow us on uh, my personal social media channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And, and thanks again, Chaplain Black, for being with us today. It was great, uh, great having you on the podcast. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Please leave me a message or send me a text at 844-424-1134 or, or send me an email at smatilly at uh, yournextmission.org. I want to end each podcast with a little story about me and uh, my experiences in the Army and really my experiences in life. And as a chaplain was talking today, ah, I was thinking about... Uh, about my son, and really about the strength of a prayer. You see, my son had uh, pneumococcus meningitis. It left him uh, temporarily blind, temporarily deaf. Uh, I always say 20 to 30 convulsions a day. And he was on like three to four or five kinds of medication trying to control the seizures and, 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 uh, and it wasn't working. And so I really, quite frankly, thought my son would die one day. I thought, uh, you know, he may not live till he's, he's 10 years old. Think about that. My son may not live until he's 10 years old. I, you know, I didn't know. You see, it's about life. It's about God. It's about believing in what you do each and every day for our country and and the things that we just can't stop helping each other. And so I, you know, as a soldier, I wanted to keep doing what I was doing, and I kept doing my job, and I, I went to uh, tank gunnery. I'm an old tanker, so I went to tank gunnery. And uh, when I got there, my wife called me. And this is the hard part. She said, uh, Jack, you got to come home. And so I came home. And went, as soon as I could, I came home, and I went to the hospital at uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, Madigan Hospital was the name. And I went to see the doctor and I said, uh, sir, what's going to happen? Now, at the time, he's on all that kind of medication. Nothing can control his seizures. He said, we don't know. And I did what everybody else would do, I'm sure, was I went into the chapel and, and I got on my hands and knees and I said a prayer. 
I said, God, either let him live or let him die. Now think about that for a second. Either let him live or, or let him die. The next day, there was nothing wrong with him. His seizure stopped. It's about life. It's about believing. It is about the strength of a prayer. It's about your fellow man and woman doing what's right each and every day. Again, thanks for listening, and thanks to Cloudcast Media, and of course our presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. We appreciate all you do for our military and continue to do. See you on the high ground. Hooah! You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org. Cloudcast Media.